Hi, I'm Tom Power. Welcome to Toy Heart, a podcast about bluegrass. This is the last episode of season two here from Nashville is my conversation with Allison Krauss. I remember, you know, the first time I looked out in the audience and saw people singing words to our songs that only we had recorded. That was just a really crazy moment. Just never thought it would end up being there. Never thought we'd hear back from Rounder. Yeah. Never thought we would hear from Rounder in the first place. If this is your first time listening, you can hear full interviews with Jerry Douglas, Allison Brown, Bela Fleck, Larry Sparks, Jody Stecker, and so many more wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Later on. From BGS, you're listening to The Shift List, where chefs talk about the music that fills their kitchens, restaurants, and recipes. I'm Chris Jacobs. Matt Orlando is the chef and founder of a mass restaurant in Copenhagen's Reschelöf neighborhood, a somewhat secluded post-industrial part of the city that you can choose to arrive to by public ferry and walk right off and past a mass's garden that provides much of the restaurant's produce. Orlando opened a mass in 2013, and it's a relatively short distance from both locations of Noma, where he previously worked. Turns out he actually spent two periods at Noma. His first post was sous chef in the mid-2000s, but he departed briefly for New York with his wife, who's Danish, to take an opportunity as sous chef at Thomas Keller's Per Se. Longing to return to Denmark, however, he got a call from René Redzepi after a couple of years in New York, asking him to serve as Noma's first executive chef, a post he accepted and kept for three years prior to leaving to start his own restaurant down the street, an endeavor that Redzepi was characteristically enthusiastic and encouraging of. The result, of course, was a mass, a fine dining establishment located in a sprawling industrial warehouse covered in curated graffiti and proudly blasting often obscure and sometimes aggressive hip-hop. The juxtaposed restaurant is an extension of the chef himself, a San Diego native who grew up skateboarding and skiing amidst listening to the graffiti culture of Bay Area hip-hop legends hieroglyphics before taking up a distinguished career in fine dining. I spoke to Matt at a mass on a particularly sunny Danish summer day back in August. My name is Matt Orlando from a mass restaurant in Copenhagen. A mass is a warehouse space covered in graffiti. The food is hyper-seasonal, mostly due to the fact that we have our own garden out there that really depicts what we're serving. We have a very aggressive sustainability program. Of course, a lot of this is through being conscious of what we're cooking and the byproducts of that. Say, um, we take all of our leftover potato bread, soak it in yogurt whey, make crisps out of it, and season it with dried vinegar and fennel. Um, All the skins of those potatoes we use for the bread, we roast and make an emulsion out of it. So just really paying attention to all of our byproducts and looking for ways to put them through certain processes, whether it's fermentations, making them into misos, making them into soy sauces, and turning them into things that actually are delicious that we can use again. We play hip-hop pretty loud in the dining room all night long. Hieroglyphics is by far the best music to play in a restaurant environment. You'll never know is up there. And there's something about their beats that people can, they have a lot of like really jazzy undertones and it's just kind of a, that Bay Area style. Like you can tell everyone's super stoned, high, because it's just this like rolling, like these beats and, and on the ears, it's a bit, it's, it just rolls, it's, it's rhythmic. 
I had an interview with one of the with a Danish journalist, and he asked me, he goes, you know, I've been here three times. He goes, the music's pretty aggressive. Like, <laughs> I was like, yeah. He goes, is there a reason for that? I was like, it's not aggressive to be aggressive. It's it fits into the space and graffiti, and it kind of it creates a certain environment. The opening playlist at a mass when we first opened the restaurant, the lyrics quite aggressive. It was uh, ASAP Mob, Coke and White Bitches. Pretty loud in the dining room. <laughs> Taiga had a song called Molly that also played pretty aggressively in the dining room here. But you also like to provoke people a little bit. I mean, I'm 99% of the people, music is kind of like, they don't hear Coke and white bitches in the background. <laughs> um, they just hear music. But I would say in the United States, that would be different. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I, yeah, we probably definitely couldn't do that with a three-year-old sitting on table six. But it, you know, the, the music that we play here, it's definitely not mainstream at all. And I play that music for the people that know that come and eat here. And something that makes me so happy is when someone sits down and like three or four courses in, one of the waiters comes and goes, this guy is like freaking out about the playlist. And he's like, wants to know where it is. And can he, is it on Spotify? Can he, he wants to, who makes it? And so, and so I'll go out and obviously talk to the table and, and it's like people our age, <laughs> it's no one under 20. <laughs> and they're like, man, I grew up listening to hieroglyphics or man, I used to, I'm from New York, man. I listen to Woo my whole life. And, and it's just like, it's those conversations that I really enjoy. And we've had a few icons come through here in the last year. Madlib was in the house, must have been four months, five months ago. And Madlib has done a, a lot of stuff for Wu-Tang. And he's done some remixes for RZA and Jizza that are super obscure. And I have a whole Wu-Tang playlist, basically. And I have them on there. And I know it was like, he came in, I knew what time he was coming in, so I kind of restarted the playlist right when he came in. And he, they sat then they sat right by the kitchen too. It was a four top. And so he, they're sitting there and obviously it's it's a Wu Tang playlist, so he's pretty into it. He's bobbing his head while he's eating. And then I knew when the track was coming on and kind of the intro started to come in. It's called uh When the Fat Lady Sings Jizza. And he puts his cutlery down. And then the track drops. Anyone like this? Lifts his hands. He goes, head down. And he looks over the kitchen, and I'm standing there, and I, and I just like nod my head to him, and he, he stood up, and he came in the kitchen, he gave me a huge hug, and he's like, this is the shit, man. <laughs> what is this? How are you doing this right now? Is there any music that plays in the kitchen here or in the restaurant that's not hip-hop? Yeah. I um I, I let the waiters have music for a few hours a day. And I'd hate to say it's fifty percent of the time I uh it's like hairs stand up on the back of my it's everything everything that I really, really don't care to listen to, to say it nicely. <laughs> There's a guy, one of our waiters, Simon, uh he loves this uh artist Rasmus Seabuck. He's like the poster board Danish pop male pop musician, like oh man, terrible. Absolutely terrible. There are some, anything Robbie Williams, I will, no matter what I'm doing in the kitchen, will 
drop everything in March straight over to the iPhone and like, no, don't try it. Don't try it again. <laughs> so that will happen during service. There's, there's actually a mix of, of your hip hop. No, not in service. Not in service. No, definitely. So there was a time, it must've been like maybe six months, nine months after we opened. And I, I went on a trip somewhere and I came back and one of the guys in the kitchen was like, chef, the waiters like played arcade fire last night in the dining room. I was like, I was raging and I called everyone in. I was like, does this dining room look like arcade fire should be playing? I was like, I was so pissed off, man. God, I was so, I was like, and everyone was like, never again, chef. Hip hop. <laughs> oh man! But with that said, I I am also a huge uh, reggae fan, and there's one of our one of the chefs in the kitchen, Mike. He's from Scotland, and there's a lot of really good reggae that comes out of Glasgow. There's uh, Mungo Hi-Fi. You gotta check these guys out. There's also Gentleman's Dub Club. Really good. Bo, who's our restaurant manager, he is a huge metalhead. And so we have decided, and I mean, I don't mind metal at all. So Saturdays, our prep time is all metal. We call it Saturday Tool Day. really hard to find tool you can't get it online you can't find it on youtube you can't get it on spotify nothing and so but every once in a while someone will post something on youtube it'll stay up for a little bit before it gets taken down so it's like every saturday we're looking on youtube for any tool and then it, if it's on then we play it for all the prep it's taken me five years to realize that you're never going to make 100 percent of your guests happy because food is subjective nor should you make 100 percent of your guests happy because if you're making 100% of the guests happy, you're not, you're not provoking, you're not pushing the limits of what dining is or what the experience is. I think that's a lot to do with this place because every place I've come from before, I mean, it's very upscale. How the dining room is, how the service is, tablecloths. And for me, I wanted to create an environment that you walk into and you can just relax. You can, you can have, you can laugh, you can, you, you can do whatever you want. But the food that gets put in front of you is very high end. And so that experience, I don't think is that common. So you, you get really high end food in an environment where someone's talking about Coke and white bitches in the background and, (laughs) and people are loud and laughing and you know, the best restaurants I've been to are the ones that are kind of the space is an extension of the life of the chef or the personality or something like this. And I said, I said to my wife, I was like, like, what does a restaurant look like where the, the chef was grew up skating and snowboarding and listening to hip hop? And, and uh, this is, I guess this is it. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and that's, and that's what, you know, when you have your own restaurant, the greatest thing ever is you can just do whatever the fuck you want to do. <laughs> 
Thanks to Chef Matt Orlando and his entire team at Amass, including his wife, Julie Bergstrom Orlando, who runs the restaurant and has been working with Matt for over 13 years, and Amass's communication manager, Christian Alexander Moller-Bach, for helping to arrange this episode. Check out amassrestaurant.com for reservations and beautiful photography of their food and garden. You can also head over to bluegrasssituation.com for a link to Matt's shift list, including all of the music you heard on this episode and more, as well as each playlist that streams at Amass every night of service. If you like this episode, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all the places that you get podcasts. The Shift List is produced by me, Chris Jacobs, based on an article by the same name created by Nevin Martell, originally published over at BGS.com. Our executive producer is Amy Reitenauer, with help, as always, from the entire BGS team, including associate editor Justin Hiltner, managing editor Craig Shelburne, marketing guru Joseph Klingel, and all the amazing writers and contributors that make BGS the best source for roots culture redefined theme music by jamie drake check her out at jamiedrakemusic.com the shift list is part of the bgs podcast network be sure to check out bgs's ever-growing collection of podcasts up right now at the bluegrasssituation.com i'm chris jacobs thanks for listening Hey, it's Cindy Howes and Lizzie No from the podcast Basic Folk, honest conversations with folk musicians. Basic Folk is truly changing the game with our well-researched deep dives that aim to empower the listener while fostering the folk community. I basically am writing worship music for youth group rejects. Maternal regrets and maternal guilt are universal. I try to make things that are beautiful and that are made with like a purity of intention. You can listen to Basic Folk on the Bluegrass Situation Podcast Network or at basicfolk.com.